0: I'm Brittany harden tengway a manager with KPMG, and I am fascinated by the practice of transfer pricing and its impact on the global market. Join me each episode as I explore the transfer pricing world with specialists who will explain the ins and outs of this niche practice where tax meets economics. As we've discussed in previous episodes, setting the transfer price for cross-border transactions between related parties is a natural byproduct of our integrated globalized economy. But the setting of those prices by the taxpayer is only the beginning. Tax authorities around the world are interested in results and to ensure that all of the businesses operating within their jurisdictions have set those prices in accordance with their rules noncompliance by any entity within their borders could potentially result in tax authorities missing out on substantial tax revenue. But how is this actually put into practice? With me on our journey today are Tara Adams, Transfer Pricing Principal with KPMG. Hi, Brittany. And Amanda Carey, a Managing Director in Transfer Pricing from Washington National Tax.
1: Hey, Brittany. Glad to be here.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Tara and Amanda. I am really excited to talk to you about such a huge topic, and it's super relevant to taxpayers around the world. How do companies demonstrate compliance, and what are the expectations of the tax authorities?
1: So at the most basic level, compliance requires documentation, which is proof that a company maintains to support that its intercompany transactions have been carried out at arm's length.
0: This concept of arm's length, we've talked about it in the past,
1: that's raised right. In prior episodes, there's talk about what is transfer pricing and why does it have to be arm's length? And really what tax authorities want is to have proof of that and to document that everything is being carried out as expected.
2: One of the words that comes to mind to me around transfer pricing documentation is just transparency, right? It's that opportunity that a taxpayer can have to state why their transactions are arm's length, and ultimately the purpose is to be handed over to tax administrations so they have the information necessary when they're conducting risk assessments or audits.
0: We have these multinational enterprises. They're global. They're having to deal with all of these different tax authorities, the arm's length standard arm's length principle is in place to help us avoid double taxation for these entities. We haven't really talked much about the OECD. Can we talk about the role the OECD plays in transfer pricing?
1: Over time, transfer pricing is becoming more and more important to tax authorities and you're seeing more and more documentation requirements being put in place in local jurisdictions. And where the OECD comes into play is that it has provided guidelines on what documentation should look like or should be provided to support transfer pricing around the world. And the aim of that is really to provide something in a standard format with a common template, in order to not only enhance the transparency, but also keep compliance costs in check and help set a standard framework so that a multinational that operates in 100 different countries doesn't have to think about a hundred different sets of rules. One way to think about this is think about the rules of the road. If you're driving globally, you're taking a great road trip, it's helpful to know that red means stop and green means go. And that's consistent wherever you're gonna go
0: that's a really great analogy. When we're looking at these different rules, details matter. So the OECD has essentially tried to harmonize this through what we call the OECD guidelines. How do the OECD guidelines play into documentation and these documentation requirements for transfer pricing? Great question. As Amanda mentioned, almost every
2: country might have their own set of rules around transfer pricing documentation. And what the OECD has sought to do is to have a standard approach to transfer pricing documentation that both enhances the transparency for tax administrations, but also does take into account the compliance costs for companies around the world. So, trying to strike that balance and providing at least some cohesive standardized approach.
0: We could spend a ton of time analyzing if we don't take a cost-effective approach, then the burden just becomes too much for the taxpayer.
2: That's certainly right. And that was what the goal, the guidelines were around transfer pricing documentation. The reality is we haven't necessarily seen in practice that every country has adopted the OECD guidelines as is. And that's one of the challenges that we find many clients have today is how to navigate this complex world when the rules aren't exactly the same in every country. They might have a similar foundation in the OECD guidelines, but different countries have adopted different standards.
0: If we're trying to think about it, rules of the roads, maybe every country agrees that red means stop and green means go. But in certain countries, you can take a ride on red, (laughs) whereas another you might get a ticket.
2: The OECD's approach to transfer pricing documentation, I think of it as the three-legged stool. You've got country-by-country reporting, or sometimes you might hear of it as C-by-C. You've got the master file
0: and then the
2: local file.
0: Let's talk about each of those. So C-by-C, country-by-country,
1: what is it? The purpose there is really to be a big picture, high level risk assessment of a company's global footprint. It's kind of a standardized format for the entire multinational where you've got the same information for each country in order to take that high level look and focus where might be the most important places for transfer pricing. It does provide that basis to do some risk assessment and to help identify where the taxing authorities may want to focus their efforts, because resources are limited not only on the taxpayer side, but also on tax authority side. Mm-hmm.
2: I think one thing that's interesting about country-by-country country reporting is that it's relatively new in the landscape. It's been around since about 2016, and we've seen over 90 countries that have adopted country-by-country country rules
0: country by country. This is where transfer pricing feels more like tax, right? It's a form that's standardized, lots of different data points, and it looks the same around the world so that you can have those quick comparisons.
2: That's certainly the concept. And it's a mix of both quantitative information like revenue and headcount and so forth, and also qualitative information about what the various entities within a group do or their functions.
1: The other thing I think is interesting about the C by C report is that the intention there is to have one global report for an entity that is then exchanged amongst tax authorities. So that's really a unique concept where historically transfer pricing documentation has been prepared for a local tax authority. And this concept that the OECD has brought up, and especially with the C by C report, this idea of sharing, supporting one of their key concepts of transparency.
0: Yeah, and attempting to balance out some of that asymmetry of access to a multinational's information about its global activity. On that topic of getting a high-level overview of what's really going on, let's talk about the other prong of that stool. Tara, can we talk about the master file? Sure. Like the country-by-country report, you
2: typically have one master file for an entire multinational. But where it differs greatly is we are no longer a form, but now we are telling the overview of the company, the OECD and their guidelines even refers to it as a blueprint for the overall group.
1: The C-by-C report is one report for the whole company. The master file, similar, is that one report for the whole company. But the master file is where you can kind of put into context a lot of the things that may be summarized high level in that C-by-C report. So the master file is telling not only what drives the value and what creates value in the company, but where does that happen? What are the major types of transactions that this company is entering into?
2: See, I think one difference in contrast to country-by-country country reporting is that where you are required to file the master file, it's typically done locally. So in a given jurisdiction, there's other jurisdictions, right, where you just need to have it prepared in case the tax authorities ask for it. So we don't see tax authorities actually exchanging master files like you do with country-by- country reporting.
0: We've spoken previously on this podcast about the master file in the context of value and why value is so important to transfer pricing. Because there's one master file for the whole group, it's kind of the annual report and you're telling the story for the whole group, but the local file, that's the third prong of our stool. So now we can sit even. (laughs) The local file, that's different because there's one for each country and they're each unique.
1: Yeah, that's right. The master file provides the big picture story and the local file is then that next level down. Usually there's a local file for each country in which a company operates or maybe one for each entity. And that's really intended to say within the context of the master file, within the context of the global value creation what's important for the transactions that are happening in a given country. So it takes it down to that local level for the local file.
0: The local file is where we're actually talking about the transactions. So far, C-by-C, master file, everything's setting the stage, but once you start preparing your local file, that's what is really going to be under scrutiny to the specific individual tax authorities in the context of everything else. Is that right, Tara?
2: That's right. This is where you do see, I'll say, the the greatest variation in terms of what the rules are within a given country for this type of documentation. Do they need to submit it? Are there penalties? What language does it need to be in? So you just see a big variation in how local file is implemented across countries, and that's part of the complexity that many companies have to deal with when they're considering transfer pricing documentation.
0: You saying that, it just brings back the enormity of it because we're still talking about tax authorities in countries that have already agreed to subscribe to the OECD guidelines. So we're already talking about a subset of countries around the world there's a reason why these are called the OECD guidelines
2: and keyword being guidelines. Many countries, they're not going to follow them exactly. At the end of the day, their recommendations, and we do see a lot of countries look back to them, but not be that single source of truth for that individual country's rules.
0: As a taxpayer, how can you keep up with all these changing rules?
2: It takes a lot of work to understand what the rules are in the various jurisdictions, but breaking it down, a lot of companies think about what jurisdictions they're located in, and what their risk profile is in that country. It could be things like the size and the nature of the transactions that really dictate that risk profile and even some of their audit history. From there, they're going to make a plan as to where they need to do their documentation. And at KPMG, we have a great resource called the Global Transfer Pricing Review, where we collect, review, and have the information about what the transfer pricing regulatory rules around the world are. So all those things that I mentioned previously about do you need to submit, what language are their penalties, when do you need to have a prepared by? we've got that in a detailed fashion so that we can make sure that we're helping guide our clients through this process and make sure that they're complying with the rules.
1: Multinational companies don't have a ton of extra resources to keep up to date with all these changing rules. Our clients are global. KPMG has a great global network as well. We're able to consolidate a lot of that information where it's referenceable to help ease that burden and be able to share that knowledge with all of our clients that are trying to grapple with the same issue.
0: To be able to coordinate and pull all of our resources in the same direction to get the latest and greatest information in a way that is comparable and digestible and easily accessible by people at KPMG to be able to provide that information to their clients and share it on a moment's notice, it's pretty astounding. And it's one of the things that I'm very appreciative of whenever I'm working on solving problems and understanding more about how we can help our clients better
1: operate in the world. One other thing that I think is really helpful about the Global Transfer Pricing Review is is to help not only understand all the rules, but communicate those on a consistent basis. So again, we think that driving around, everyone knows wherever you go, that red means stop. But what if in one country it's crimson and in another country it's cherry red? (laughs) Having someone to translate those and say, no, this is red, it means stop. It really helps cut down on some of those complexities.
0: I love that. Sometimes you can't tell the difference between pink and maroon. So it's nice to have something to make that definitive call. Well, Tara and Amanda, this has been such a pleasure for me. I have learned so much from you both throughout my career, and it makes me so happy to be able to share this information and to bring others on this
1: journey with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brittany. This was so fun. Thanks for having us. It's definitely something we're very passionate about. It's always great to have a fun and informative discussion with you.
0: Thanks for joining me on this adventure in transfer pricing. See you next time.